There it is. Okay, now let's stand, let's stand back up again. <laughs> Whoo! Wow, almost had to, yeah. <laughs> okay, here we go. Are we good? Yeah, we're on camera. Okay. Right. 12, verse, through, verse uh, 13. Here we go. Here we go. Whew. Someone from the crowd said to him, that's Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. <laughs> uh, friend, he said to him, Who appointed me a judge and an arbor, arbitrator over you? And then he told them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all greed. Because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. Then he told them a parable. A rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, oh, what should I do since I, I don't have anywhere to store my crops? Oh, I, I will do this, he said. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all of my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself, yes, yes, you have many goods sort of for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, be merry, enjoy yourself. But God, this is the times that I don't like these words, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? That's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Then he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or, what, or about the body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. And consider the ravens, small birds. They don't sow or reap. They don't have a storeroom or a barn. Yet God feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than the birds? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? If then you're not able to do even a little thing, why worry about the rest? Consider the wildflowers. How the, how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass which is in the field today and is thrown in the furnace tomorrow, how much more will he do for you, you little of faith? Don't strive for what you should eat and what you should drink. And don't be anxious for the Gentile world eagerly seeks all these things and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be provided for you. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make money bags for yourself that won't grow old. An inexhaustible treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Lord Jesus, I pray in, this, in these moments... God, that you would give us a revelation. God, that you would stir in our hearts encouragement and joy. That you are with us and that you delight to give us the kingdom. Show us, Lord Jesus, what it means to be rich toward you, God. For it's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. You may be seated. So this morning, <coughs> I've entitled my, my uh, sermon here, Rich Toward God. Now, we're coming into Thanksgiving this week. Right? This is Thanksgiving week. week. Thanksgiving is coming up on Thursday, followed by National Greed Day. What? National Greed Day. National, National Unthanksgiving. <laughs> we are Happy Unthanksgiving on Friday, Black Friday, where you know oh. people trample over each other and kill each other in order to get the best deal on the on that giant screen TV. <laughs> right? We have Black Friday. We have Thanksgiving Thursday, and then Black Friday on Friday. 
You know, we don't know how to be grateful nor content as a society. So this, this last week, I, I went hunting. <clears throat> I should say I took my, my gun for a, for a walk uh, a couple times. No. Saw lots. Oh, my goodness. I saw, I've, I saw more elk than I've ever seen in my life. And I heard elk more than I've ever heard them in my life. If you've never been to the Paradise Valley Ranch, go there at about 5.30 in the morning right now, and you'll see well over 1,000 or 1,500 elk or at least their shadows, and hear the sound of mewing like you've never heard in your life. If you ever want to hear, hear, hear what, what, what elk sound like, go to the Paradise Valley Ranch at 5.30 tomorrow morning. They're every, and like, they just left <laughs> before I could get there. And they never went on public land. They know exactly where the private land is. So stupid, stupid elk. <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, so hunting seasons can be fraught with worry and, and, and anxiety, failure, frustration, sadness. Then get the meat. And then try to remind myself, okay, I've, I've got a whole you know, freezer full of beef from Amberlynn's father, and, and I've got, we got a whole, a whole lot of pig, you know, a whole lot of pork in the, in the freezer still. You know, we're not, we're not going to starve or anything. I just want elk. <laughs> yeah. But think about it, like what, what kinds of things on an everyday basis do you, do you worry about? You know, what, what do you worry about? Barb, what do you worry about? You know, what do we worry about as people? What are our daily anxieties? Money. <laughs> Barb. Hey, Barb. What, Barb, what, is, what are your daily anxieties? Uh, all the time. time. You've got these things. you got food and water, right? You, you worry about, you know, shelter and, and your home. Like, what's going to go on? The clothing on our back. I mean, all these things in this passage are not new to, the, to, to them. They're not old to us. They're, they're things that we worry about the same way that they worried about them. Food and clothing and shelter, all these different things, right? Relationships and loneliness or connection. Family, friends, having a good relationship. We want to continue these things. It's interesting to see, I mean, I preached about this a while back, <coughs> a couple you know, a few weeks ago, how stress and anxiety have just skyrocketed recently, right? <clears throat> but it's interesting how anxiety itself, anxiety and stress, and people have been doing research on this so much, so many, so much more, especially now with post-COVID, that they're finding out that anxiety really is the cause of so many of the diseases that we have today. I mean, among, you know, so many, even most, of our worst ones, including, you know, things like coronary heart disease, the number one killer of people in American society. The number one. And you know the number one cause of coronary heart disease? Anxiety. Stress. Not just poor diet. Poor diet, crappy food, chemicals, etc., right? And also, stroke. But also, other things that aren't necessarily biological, but are relational, anxiety causes what? Murder and suicide, depression, isolation, which leads to death. Yeah, yeah just throw your TV out and you, it'll like decrease your anxiety like, you know, 50% at least. <laughs> then followed by your phone and computer. <laughs> but anxiety, listen to this, you guys. Anxiety 
is grief and disappointment and devastation in advance before it ever happens. Worst case scenario, living in the, in, in the, in, living in the results of worst case scenario in the present before they've ever even happened. And most of the times they never even do happen. But God, he says in this passage, he is, he is big enough to take care of even the smallest bird. That was one thing I, I looked at this, this week um, was, you know, I, I would always be, I would be sitting there, I attracted, I was there for five hours just sitting there. I was like, I, I know they're going to cross here. They're going to come right here. And I'm going to shoot one or two. I'm going to shoot one because I only have one tag. But I'm going to shoot one for five hours. Kept scoping up there. They're not there. Okay, they're going to cross. Didn't realize the entire time behind, they're behind me, up on the mountain. (sighs) On private property. (laughs) But while I was waiting and sitting there, just hanging out, spending time, sermonizing, I was, you know, I didn't waste the time. I spent that five hours sermon prepping in my car. I was, you know, on my phone and scoping. And God was talking to me the, the whole time. He's saying, dude. You're preaching about anxiety, and you're at, you have anxiety. You're freaking out. You're like stressing yourself. And then what happened? He sent this like big clump of, of little little itty bitty birds, and they like kind of went and landed in a tree, and reminded me of this passage. He was like, "Yeah, those those small birds right there. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking care of them. You don't have to worry if you get an elk or not. And guess what? You're not going to get an elk. I knew. God kept telling me, "You're not going to get an elk. Just go home." But I saw these birds and I was reminded, I get it. He cares about each and every one of those. It was a clump of about 50, 60 birds all flying together. Yeah, we see that a lot. And God cares for each one of those. And he provides for each one of those. Am I not worth more than one of those birds? Are you not worth more than one of those little itty-bitty birds? Yes, absolutely. But how do we respond to these daily anxieties in our lives? Jobs, all these things. Culture, environment, COVID, econ- you know, the economy, all the bubbles. Maybe we can become, become you know, here, here's some negative ways. We can become a prepper. You know, I went through that, that phase last year. I'm sorry that you guys had to go that, through that phase with me. But <laughs> I went kind of went through that, that prepper phase of like, I got to go. I got to prep everything. We got we to gotta buy these things to fill up our, our, our tub with water. You know, I went through this freaking out phase. And you become a gambler. I got to, you know, multiply my money. Negative, another one, negative one is that we can become a thief. You can become greedy or a shady businessman. Maybe you find something that you're good at and you like just become a shady and greedy businessman. You can become obsessed with gossip. Become a busybody as the, as the Bible talks about. You can become an addict with drugs or alcohol, food or sweets, TV, sex and social media, sugar. But even there's positive things that can turn poopy. Like a hunter that will not give up, even though God told them you're not going to be successful. And gain anxiety over these things. Or a fisherman, right? A gardener. You can, be, you can garden and freak out when your garden's not working. Sorry, Neil. 
But you can, you can, we can have anxiety if, if these things are working or not working. Especially if we, if we rely on, so heavily on it. Like a farmer as well. Even being hardworking. Working hard can become an, an anxiety, can become a stress. Like, I have to work hard or else I might lose my job. I have to work hard or else I won't get enough money. I have to work hard and it, it cultivates this element, this chain reaction of just anxiety and stress and stress and stress and stress. Being a parent. Oh, parenting doesn't cause any kind of anxiety. It's just wonderful and love you all the time. Oh, it's wonderful. You never yell at your kids. Ever. You never want to be like Bill Cosby. I'm, I brought you into this world. I'll take you out and make another one that looks just like you. <laughs> oh, good old Bill Cosby. <laughs> but how do we respond to these daily anxieties in our lives with, with God? Are we walking with God. And the main gist of this whole story, this whole, this whole narrative of Scripture, this, is all, this all ties together in, you know, this, into one lesson that Jesus is wanting to teach us, and it is this. To be rich toward God, and let your treasure be him and his kingdom. Don't have, you know, all this, you know, this guy said, I don't have any room for my crops. God has blessed me. He wasn't stressed out at all. He wasn't, he wasn't going crazy. But it was as a response to this other guy saying, hey, tell my brother to give me some of the inheritance. Well, A, he didn't deserve it because it wasn't his. But the guy was responding in anxiety. He was like, Jesus. Which is funny, I was like, when did this guy think that this was Jesus' M.O.? Like, did Jesus ever talk about this kinds of things in public? No. Like, at least according to the scripture, like, he never talked about, like, these kinds of things. And so, really, this guy was asking for something that was unjust. That this guy, who was receiving the inheritance, because probably his parents, both parents were now dead. Or maybe at least his father was dead, and he was passing on his inheritance. And the brother wanted a, wanted a chunk. His brother, like, felt gypped. And so Jesus is asking, you know, this guy is asking Jesus to give him something that, was not, that did not belong to him because he was living in this anxiety that he would not have enough to live on. And this is where that story comes from. This guy, he's using this illustration even of a guy who has all the treasures in the world. Like, God provides everything. So, like, say Jesus did provide and, say, and tell the guy, hey, yeah, you should do that. You know, even if he had plentiful amounts of the inheritance, that it would not be worth much. It's like you have all the world, you've gained all the world, you've got all this abundance. Now what? Now what? Now what are you going to do with it? Is that something that you're looking for? Like you're stressed out and so riches would calm your anxieties? Like telling that guy and like the guy receiving part of the inheritance, would that calm his anxieties, calm his stresses if he got it? That is, you know, this is what Jesus' illustration, this is what it's like for someone who stores up for himself and what? Isn't rich toward God. So he's using this illustration of someone who is rich and has abundance, yet is lacking in that which truly matters. So this guy was seeking something that wasn't his because he was stressed out and anxious, and yet Jesus is trying to tell this guy, you are lacking in your, in your trust toward God. What would your, like, your life look like if none of the inheritance even came to you at all? Would you still trust God? 
the thing that you're saying, I need this. I need this in order to survive. And then what does Jesus say? He says to, he says, you know, give, sell your possessions and give them to the poor. He's just saying all these different things of how to have treasure toward God. <coughs> Think about the context in this passage, what he's talking about with this, you know, the, the ravens and everything. The context is that Jesus, of course, is still uh, is walking on the earth. He is physically calling people to physically follow him to give up their possessions because that season of life is more important. You don't need the inheritance. In fact, come and follow me. You're listening to me. Come and follow me. Abandon your fears and your anxieties and just follow me. Jesus is going to his death. What Jesus is saying is what, is, what I'm doing on earth is more important than the daily anxieties. Now, what he is saying is this. Trust God, be generous, and help one another. That's what he is saying. What he's not saying is, you should be poor. Poor people are, are holier than rich people. Or people that, do, that don't have any of these financial anxieties. He says, he's, what he's not saying is, don't save up. Don't put, you know, put them into store barns, or don't put them into a bank account, or don't put them into a savings account, or investments, right? It's not what he's saying. He's not saying, also, give to every homeless person you see, or else you're not a good Christian. Because here's the thing, if we, if we, turn, if we have this tendency to, to idolize this kind of lifestyle, and basically it turns into a, a system of our righteousness. Our righteousness is not the, the currency of heaven. So simply giving money away and doing good things is not the treasure Jesus is talking about here. We let go of everything and focus our lives and on the righteousness of God. We focus our entire lives and our righteousness on God and do whatever he tells us and inspires us to do. But it's amazing in this, in this story here. So he goes all through this, through, through this stuff here with this story about the guy in the barns. But then it says, look, look at verse 22. Then he said to his disciples. So this is the turn back away from the crowds like we talked about last week he has this way of talking to the crowds and then teaching his disciples a lesson by what the crowd doesn't get so this is us he's he's leaning into us his disciples and he's saying these things to us this is the setting he jesus is setting the culture of the church this is his his disciples and so i couldn't figure out how to, how to make a slide and so bear bear with me as i, as I try to uh, show you my uh, <clears throat> handwriting uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the Gentile world eagerly, I, I'm kind of em emphasizing and pointing out these different words, you know, eagerly seeks all these things. What are these things? The, the greed and the, and, the, and the money and the material things, the possessions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All the things that cause us anxieties if we don't have them, right? right? Your, but he's like, and, but, or for, your father, what, knows that you need them. What, what are them? What is them? These things, which is money, house, food, clothing, it's relationships. He knows that you need all these things. He knows this. 
eagerly world, the, the, the world eagerly seeks. I want to highlight that thing. They're searching after, they're seeking after, they are pushing people in relationships and holiness, to, relationship with God, out of the way because they're freaking out that they're not going to have these things. And so they need to make sure that they have these things. Whether they love and honor God or other people or not. They eagerly seek these things. But seek what? His kingdom. And these things, what? Will be provided for you. Food, shelter, clothing, relationships. Seek his kingdom. Seek God's kingdom. Now, the book of Matthew, in his gospel, adds, and his righteousness. Right? His right way of thinking, his right way of living, which is encompassed into the kingdom. Because to live in the kingdom is to be encompassed in his righteousness, in his right way of thinking, rather than the stinking thinking of the world around us. The, what, the Gentile world, as we talked about, right? Don't be, what, afraid. Eagerly seeking because they are afraid. Why? Because your father delights to give you the kingdom. He delights to show you the right way. He delights to walk with you. He delights to be with you. He knows that you need these things and he eagerly delights to give you not just even these things, but the kingdom. It's like not just someone who gives someone like a bird feeder out, you know, gives the, the birds a little bird feeder outside. He like builds them this like bird feeder palace and more. Water that never, never, never runs out, food that never runs out, friends in this big mansion, bird, bird mansion. Even, but even greater because he loves us more than the birds. He, gives to, he desires to give us the kingdom. And so what is this kingdom principle? It says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old. Does he want us to be poor? No, why? Because he wants us to make money bags. He wants to, us to make things to receive his blessings, to receive his favor, to receive whatever he desires to give us. He wants us to have a bag ready for it ready to receive it, that won't grow old, an inexhaustible treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That concept of, of fear, not being afraid, right? Don't be afraid, little flock. Our shepherd is saying, don't be afraid. This reminds me of Psalm 32, sorry, 23. He is the good shepherd who leads us to this and leads us to that, protects us and serves us a meal in the, in the presence of our enemies. He's creating a new culture where the treasure, where all these things are his kingdom. We're pursuing his kingdom. And what is the kingdom? The church. His people, this is the kingdom. Our brothers and sisters at C3 and Connect Church and Journey Church and the Table Church and the River Church and Abundant Life, they are the kingdom. We are the kingdom. 
We're, a, we're an outpost here in Belgrade for the kingdom of God. We are God's presence on the earth here, right now. An expression of his kingdom. That is where our treasure, his righteousness, his kingdom, what he loves, what God loves. And all these things will be added unto you, right? But let's look at that concept of, of, of afraid, fear, right? Fear manifests itself as greed, covetousness, worry, and anxiety. Well, how does, it, how does greed, how do you are afraid when you're greedy? Well, you're afraid of not having enough. You want more, you want more, you want more, because I, I don't have enough, and I'm never going to have enough. Covetousness, FOMO, fear of missing out. I know, I use the abbreviation because it wouldn't fit on the line. <clears throat> fear of missing out. Like you, 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 you covet this, you you're like, oh, run to this over there. It's that, you know, the whole grass is greener on the other side type deal. It's like I'm afraid of missing out on that green grass. I'm afraid of missing out on that experience. I'm afraid of missing out of this and there. And so we covet, covet possessions, riches, power, relationships. Worry is fearing that loss of control. Loss of control in your lives, the loss of control in your circumstances, in your, in your job. And anxiety, you fear, you're afraid of suffering. I'm afraid if I lose my job or if I get injured or if I do this or do that, I'm afraid of suffering. And so I have anxiety about the future. And fear, all these things, greed, covetousness, anxiety, and worry, they bring us into and keep us planted in unhealthy circumstances and situations. When we get into these things, because of the, the anxiety and the fear, it's so difficult to get out of them. That's why I always pray for boldness in our lives to live the way of Christ. Because it's only through a boldness and a bravery and a courage against all these fear that we come out of our crappy circumstances that we oftentimes have created ourselves or that have co- happened to us. But this is why Jesus is reminding us to be rich toward God, let your treasure, that which your heart relies on and puts your whole trust and your faith in, let your treasure be God, be Jesus and his kingdom. And this is what Jesus is talking about. This is the culture in which he's setting. And so, and he, he was successful. I love this. Jesus was successful at creating an environment where people didn't idolize and, and, and you know, fearfully hold on to their treasures, their money, and everything like that. Because we see images like this right from the beginning in Acts. Chapter 2, this is going to be starting in verse 23, I mean 42, I'm sorry. They devoted themselves, this is the church. We've talked about this before. This is the totality of the church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all, as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. 
Jesus was successful in creating a loving and sharing environment. Uh, chapter 4, the very end again. Now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own. But instead, they held everything in common. With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on all of them. For there was not a needy person among them, because all those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds that was sold of what was sold, and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed to each person as any had need. And they used an illustration about that. But we see this modeled beautifully in the, in the first century Jerusalem church. This incredible environment, this incredible culture that, God, that Jesus was cultivating during his ministry through teachings like this. This is where they learned it. This is where they were able to embody it because Jesus taught them specifically. So this is the, the lesson, too, that we be content in the Lord. So the question is, how do you seek God instead of fear? How do you put your treasure in the Lord? How do you invest your, your worship and your treasure in heaven? We worship what we trust in to alleviate our fears. Let me say that again. We worship what we trust in to alleviate our fears. What is it that you look to and trust in to alleviate your fears? Is it the possessions and the money themselves? Or is it the Lord who provides all things? We worship what we trust in to alleviate our fears. And as the scripture says, you know, perfect love, Mr. Love himself, Jesus, casts out all fear. I love this. Jesus says these very words. Come to me, all you who are weary and, and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Find rest, that peace, that contentment, no fear. There is no love. I'm sorry, there is no, there's no love. <laughs> well, there's no love and fear. That's fine. There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. And then here, here I would love to, you know, this passage here, just as we, as we were wrapping up our time here this morning. Philippians 4, 1 through 13. Listen carefully as, as, you, as you hear these things. Listen to the words, because he's building up an argument to the great, you know, for, you know Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? But this is the whole context that I want you to see of how he's building up to that. What is that context and why is it so much better than slapping on a Nike shirt, you know, that you can kick a field goal because God strengthens you. He says so this. He said this. Says this. So then, my brother, my dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters, my joy and crown in this matter, in this manner, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I urge Yodia, and I urge Siti, whoever that is. <laughs> Their parents did not like them very much. 
to, to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice! Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with uh, thanksgiving, not just the one day a year, but constantly, thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the God of peace, I'm sorry, and, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced. Again, he, he's following his own advice. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because once again, you renewed your care for me. This is, they're talking about him, that, you know, them providing financial support from him, for him from Philippi to him in, in prison in Rome. You were in fact concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of a need, you know, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with much, with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. He will what? Give you everything you've ever asked for. You just name it and you claim it. Woo! Yeah! Oh, that? No, no. We'll let you figure out how to earn it. You can figure it out. Just, get, live, live, just live right. God will give it. But I love how he says this. The peace, doing all the, the peace of God will, what? Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So set your hearts and your minds on whatever is. That's this point. That's why he's going to this whole thing. The secret of being content is to focus your heart and your mind to guard it, right? What? To whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, moral excellence, praiseworthy. Dwell on these things. Peace, contentment comes from standing firm and rejoicing in the Lord. Faith is not stupid. These things, all these things that are, that, are pu- that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, moral excellent, praiseworthy, are not stupid. They're dumb to the world. They're foolishness to those who are perishing. They're, they don't make sense. And there's no rational way that we can explain it to them. Because these things are only learned and understood through experience. Through walking with God through walking with his Holy Spirit, keeping in step with his Holy Spirit. Even though you can't describe, explain, or defend why, other than 
Bible says so, and I'm walking with the Spirit who, say, who tells, me tell, tells me so. Why? Because your Father desires to give you the kingdom. This is why we walk this way. This is why we live this way. This is why we pursue what is true and honorable and good. We pursue tov and shalom, flourishing, because these are the things that God desires to give us, because they are the very bedrock of the kingdom of God. God is holy and glorious and deserves all reverence, honor, and praise. Yet Jesus invites us into connection and intimate relationship with him in his kingdom and with each other in his kingdom. In heaven, his presence. Think about this, his presence. Because everything is right and good and as it should be without fear of any kind in the Father's presence. He invites us into that. He invites you into that. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart, your, your, the core of who you are, your emotions, your, the things that lead you to addictions and greed and worry and anxiety, your heart so we've got to put our treasure and our heart will follow. Or sometimes we need to put our heart there and our treasure will follow. We put our intentions there and our desires there and we learn how to invest our treasures into that. Treasure, what, you know, treasure of what? You know, a lot of times we you know, think about you know, the treasure of Cordiz, you know, the treasure of this guy and the treasure of that guy. You know, treasure hunters are always searching after the treasure of the Dread Pirate Roberts, or the treasure of the Dread Amberlynn. <laughs> they're looking, they're searching for the treasure of someone. We identify someone by what they treasure or by that treasure that they have. Someone's values, as we, as we talk about today, are net worth. Right? We're talking about net worth from, you know, in financial stuff, in this financial world. For so long, for, you know, for, and for many of us, that is negative. Right. We have more liabilities than worth, assets, right? Think about King Solomon and his extravagant amount of gold and animals and wives and servants and land and temple, the palace. And he's like, look at my kingdom. This is my value. This is my worth. Queen of, the Queen of Sheba, the Queen of the South, came up just to see his vast treasures, he, made, he, like, he had so much gold that he didn't know what to do with. He was like, I don't know, let's make some shields and put them on the door. He just had ridiculous amounts of worth. When people look, when people look at you, or when you or others look at your life, what would they say that you're rich in? What is your spiritual net worth? What is it that you are investing your time, your affections, your love, your, your words, your actions? What is your net worth in the kingdom of God? Because all of us are priceless, of course, to the Lord Jesus. And so where, if someone were to say, this is what you treasure, what would you treasure? Oftentimes the easiest way to do that is to look at our, at our uh, bank statements. Where is our treasure going to? 
Where is our tangible, physical money going to? Where is it, where is, what is, you know, what is it that you value with your, both your financial, but then if someone were to take an inventory of your time, what would someone say that you value? What would you, what is your net worth? Would they say that you're, be rich and let your treasure be him and his kingdom? And as we wrap up this morning, I want to inspire, I want to, I want to encourage us with those words again, to be rich toward God and let your treasure be him and his kingdom. Him, Lord Jesus, your time with him, your devotion with him, your reading, your, your time in his word and in prayer, walking by the spirit and in his kingdom, in his people, that which God loves. How can you invest your life into the flourishing of his kingdom, into the flourishing of his church? Loving what God loves. That Jesus loves, that God loves so much that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross, to be buried in the tomb, and to raise three days later. Because he loves his people. How can we be rich toward God and let your kingdom, your treasure be him and his kingdom? Think about that as we, as we spend time in reflection here this morning, as we wrap up our time here today. Let's, let's pray and we'll, and we'll end our time. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your presence with us. We thank you for uh, the invitation, Lord, to invest in your ultimate IRA, <laughs> that you and your kingdom are, our tre- are where our treasure belongs. Lord, I, I, just, I pray for your presence in our lives, that we would walk with you, and that we would love what you love, and that we would love others. Sacrifice for one another. Sacrifice our money. Sacrifice our time. Sacrifice our affections to invest in that which truly matters and that which truly lasts. God, reveal to us each day your provision, and your, your love for us, God. That we are your children. We don't have to be afraid. We are your children. You love us more than anything else in this world. We are the crown of your creation, and you will be with us to provide for us and to sustain us and to provide for us all things as we walk with you and to pursue your, you, your kingdom, and your righteousness, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen.